Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Distributing Joy, a podcast where we talk about the joys and non-joys of remote work. I'm Richard, a disembodied voice floating through the ether, and also the head of content at Clubhouse.io. This podcast is produced and sponsored by Clubhouse, but is not about it, and is otherwise editorially independent of it. This is our very first episode. When we began talking about doing a series like this, back earlier in the winter, we didn't know how many people would so quickly be working from home by necessity. We just wanted to share our own experiences with remote work. Clubhouse is based in New York, but is a remote-first company. Half of our employees work remotely full-time, like me. I live in San Francisco, and I'm recording this from my home studio, which is a tent I made from a blanket. It's impossible to talk about remote work right now without also talking about COVID-19. Everyone lucky enough to work from home is doing so. But that doesn't magically make working from home great or perfect or easy for everyone. And no one is required to continue living through the situation with a big smile on their face. There's a really good episode of The Twilight Zone. It's called Time Enough at Last. You should watch it. It's episode 8 of season 1, which is on Netflix. This episode's about a banker who wants nothing more than to be alone all the time so he can read. He gets his wish, but this being the Twilight Zone and not the good morning dimension, getting that wish does not leave him particularly happy. I won't ruin it for you. You should watch it. Maybe you find yourself in a less dramatic situation that's similar. Working from home used to sound really nice, but now that circumstances have put you in a position where you and your coworkers have no choice but to do so, your feelings aren't quite so positive. You might be stuck in a room with nothing but your own thoughts to keep you company. Or you might be trying to type while your kids are using magic markers to draw all over the floor. Either way, working from home is one of those things that sounds nice as a daydream, but can be a bit more challenging in reality. That's why we have this podcast in the first place, is to talk about how to work from home and what's frustrating about it. And what you can do to make it less frustrating and get the most from it. And that's why in this very first edition of Distributing Joy, we're talking to two Clubhouse employees about their own experiences. Tiffany, our product marketer, who moved from San Francisco to New York specifically to work from the office and who would prefer to keep her work and home life separate, but is obviously working from home indefinitely at the moment. And Jennifer, one of our engineers, who works remotely from her home in Michigan. She loves working from home and would prefer to never work in an office on a regular basis again. So let's hear from them on how they're handling working from home in general, and specifically during this ongoing pandemic. The interview was, of course, done remotely, so you'll notice a shift in sound quality as we go from my makeshift tent studio in San Francisco to the internet. Here we go. Uh, Again, thank you both for being here to to talk about your experiences working from home for Clubhouse. Uh, So, Tiffany, you've been here longer than either Jennifer or I. I'm the person who's been here the least long of the three of us, so I should be doing the least amount of talking, really. So, but, but let's start by talking a bit about how you ended up in Clubhouse and what your career backgrounds are, just so people know uh, who they're, who they're dealing with. Tiffany, start us off. Tell us uh, your career background and how you ended up at Clubhouse. Yeah. Um, so I, graduated and like many other people who graduate didn't have any idea what they wanted to do 
So I took the first job I got, which was at a digital marketing agency. But I had also been interested in doing um, like some sort of like entertainment, like agency work. So I ended up getting a side job. So I was doing both. And after doing the gig at the entertainment agency, you realize that that I was just not cut out for Hollywood. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go move back up to the Bay Area and pursue tech. And um, went moved back up to the Bay and got a job at a startup. And the rest is history. I was in San Francisco working at various startups um, and tech companies for a while and then wanted a little bit of a change of pace. And so started looking at New York. A friend of mine had worked with Mitch, who's our boss, Richard, um, and set us up with the casual conversation. And I ended up in New York at Clubhouse. Um, <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. That's, is that good? I think like, I don't know. How to, do I throw it? Do we make this a conversation? Like, we'll, um, you know, whatever seems most awkward is how we want to approach it. It's normally the way. I was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, was, that was really good. And what's interesting to me for your story is that, of course, Clubhouse is in New York. Uh, you were in San Francisco in the Bay Area. Like me, mm -hmm. I am currently in San Francisco. Uh, but you moved to New York. Uh, to not work from home, to actually work from Clubhouse's offices, and yet, in spite of that, are now working from home. From yeah. So. Nice little joke that, uh, that COVID wanted to play on me. <laughs> that was a very nice joke that it played on you, but and on 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 really the world. So. Yeah. But we'll obviously return to talk about that later. But now let's turn to you, Jennifer, and let's hear your career background and how you ended up at Clubhouse. Yeah. So um, I. By the way, I'm located in the Midwest. I am in Michigan. Um, I have been tinkering around and building websites since high school, junior high, um, in the mid to late 90s. Um, so it's something I've been passionate about for a while. Although because I was picking out my college plans in the 90s and things were different about what you needed to do for web tech. And if that was even really a career, I ended up actually going to art school. Um, I have a bachelor of fine art um, from University of Michigan. I also have a classical archeology span degree from the same college, just for additional fun and student loans. Um, after graduation, uh, like many millennials, I graduated right at the height of the recession. And uh, I took a string of less than rewarding temp jobs before I realized that I needed to make money quickly <laughs> or in some sort of fashion to pay off the just mountains of debt I'd accrued. So I uh, went back to night school at a community college and I picked up some programming skills and transitioned first through design, um, interface design, and into engineering. So now, uh, for Clubhouse, I am the support engineer for the marketing team. I've been with the company for a couple months since January. I uh, went through a couple layoffs last year, but um, one of the upsides of surviving layoffs in the tech industry is then you have a wide diaspora of former coworkers to lean on for future jobs, and that's how I came to Clubhouse. One of my uh, former coworkers is also my coworker here now at Clubhouse, and that's that's basically how I started here. Very nice, very nice. So it's I think it's interesting that both of you uh, got involved in entertainment or art 
uh, coming out of coming out of college and then switched to away from those things because uh, as most of us are smart enough to learn other than me the it's like focusing on art uh, is not necessarily a very financially lucrative approach to uh, to life. I feel very lucky in the role I have at Clubhouse that I get to use some design, amount of design skills and I get to work so closely with the designers. I think that's been my favorite part of the gig so far is, um, you know, working with Al and seeing the kind of illustrations he's coming up with or, you know, the interfaces that they're doing. Like that is the part of the job that I'm most excited about. Jennifer, when you mentioned that you went to art school, all of it made sense to me because I've always thought that you have really good design. Oh, thanks. And a good eye for a lot of what we have. Like a lot of times you have to go back to the engineer and say, hey, yeah, I actually mm-hmm. need a couple of pixels shaved off here. And you always mm-hmm. seem to just naturally yep. know how things should look like. So yep. This is Excellent. why we should do more podcasts. You learn about your coworkers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I also um I I'm on the spectrum and I have like autism level pattern recognition. You might want to edit that out or not, but that's how I do a lot of my work. It's just like, (laughs) it just clicks. I don't know. (laughs) So actually talking about both your backgrounds, I think it it shows uh, just how nice it is to have a diverse set of backgrounds in tech versus just people purely coming from, from like, um, science to like having like a computer science degrees obviously you always loved working on websites Jennifer and you were always coding and working in entertainment automatically has a connection to marketing uh, as well Tiffany but just having those having other backgrounds beyond just purely being immersed in in technology I think is very valuable tell me a bit how you've I mean Jennifer you talked about a little bit a bit about it already so let's go back to you how do you feel like your more artistic background has influenced your uh, your engineering well it definitely has impacted my ability to work uh, on user interfaces from more of a design standpoint I learned a lot of what I learned uh, in practical visual comp like composition, rules of composition that, you know, painters would apply really does apply to user interfaces. You know, there's, there's things about understanding information hierarchy, um, you know, perspectives, uh, balance, symmetry. Um, just the other day, I was looking at a, a, a mock that Al was going to do. And I, I just noticed that a certain uh, element of one of his illustrations was kind of like too poppy. And it was like detracting way too much from the focal point of the illustration. So it's little things like that. And that's not necessarily a good example of engineering. Let me think. Uh, I liked what you said about um, the brush strokes. And Mm -hmm. it's definitely enabled me. um, You know, you've, you've mentioned Tiffany, how I, you know, I can turn interfaces around a lot faster than other engineers. And there's less back and forth between me and the designer. And a lot of that is because um, before, when I first was starting out, I was doing more design. I was doing a lot of mocks. I've been in the position of the designers now who are doing interfaces for me. So it's like, I know how, um, I know, I understand the process they went through. So it's easier for me to understand how to put an interface together from an engineering perspective. And also I I feel like I'm hyper aware of things like those small pixel widths or, um, you know, typographic scales, information hierarchy, that kind of stuff. It also helps because then it enables me to do work that's more, um, 
just simple. Like I, when I did that facelift for our API documentation, you know, I didn't, it, it was easy. It was as easy as just picking out a new color theme and kind of, you know, making it breathe a little more. There was uh, way too much going on before. And I was able to do that with, um, you know, just on my own and that uh, relieved the designers of a lot of, you know, work that really wasn't worth their time. So that was, uh, you know, that's a good thing that I, I think I'm happy I can bring to the table for in a robust engineering team. It's good to have someone I, I think who can do that because it saves a lot of time for the designers and the other engineers. And it saved us as a marketing team a lot of time too. We're all like so happy. Oh, that's that good. Glad. Part of our team now because we do get to push things live a lot more quickly, like things on our website. If we want to create new types of content, um, we can always lean on you. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm making a positive impact. That's good to hear. <laughs> you are. You are making a positive impact. And that, folks, in the podcast means we'll turn to our positive impact segment. Maybe I'll play a little song. <laughs> so Love <it>. <laughs> And I would also agree with that, uh, Jennifer, having started a couple of weeks after you and having created content at lots of at two companies before over the course of, you know, nine years, I've just never had a uh, an engineer assigned to work on projects that I'm part of who truly understood the artistic side so well and could so quickly implement things that we wanted to do. So anyway, positive segments. Yay. That's distributing joy, folks. Thanks for listening in. So now, Tiffany, <laughs> we'll, we'll turn to you. Tell me a bit about how your background, about going down to try to work in entertainment, how that's, how that's influenced you, how that affects your work uh, doing product marketing. Yeah. So I think the way that I think about product marketing is really understanding the customer and being able to educate and help them understand your platform in a way that makes sense to them. And when you think about entertainment, whether it's, you know, watching a movie or listening to a song, um, the people that are most successful at putting out like a great album or a great movie are people who understand the audience they're trying to reach and can speak the same language. And I think what takes it to the next level is being able to create a message that also kind of resonates beyond maybe just the target user and speaks to the humanity of people. Um, I think about Parasite for some reason all of a sudden because Parasite is a movie that was, you know, completely in Korean, which I don't speak. But even just being able to read subtitles and see imagery, like the imagery helped me to understand things maybe differently than the director wanted me to understand it. Um, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of see things that he was putting in front of me, but that I was kind of processing. So, um, you know, I try whenever I get stuck with, you know, writing a blog post or, you know, trying to come up with a funny tweet, um, is just think about the customer, right? Make it human. And the minute I'm able to think that way and I stop thinking about the words and writing them down, uh, that's when the magic happens. That's very nice. And that's an interesting comparison to my own process when, when I'm stuck on something that's usually, what's the dumbest thing I can think of? And then I'll write it down. And then I can only do better from there. 
and then I start writing <laughs> from off of the dumbest things I can I can think of. But thinking about the customer is an even better uh, piece of advice for uh, like putting yourself in their shoes. So that's folks is another positive moment here on distributing joy. There was the sound effect that I put there. Now, that's, a, I think, a very good introduction to both your backgrounds. Thank you. Thank you for that. So let's get into uh, really why we're here, which is to talk about your two positions on working remotely. Uh, Jennifer, as we noted before, you enjoy working remotely. That's something that you want to be doing all the time. I mean, so long as you're working, you don't want to work remotely on Sunday. But then the, but then Tiffany, it's something you don't want to be doing and what you would prefer to be in an office. Let's talk about why you both feel that way. We'll, we'll start with you, Tiffany, uh, since again, you're the senior employee on the call. <laughs> uh, tell us why it is you prefer working in an office to working from home. Totally. Um, and I think, you know, talking about working from home during this time is, is pretty interesting, right? Because obviously it's not like a, a, a choice, but it's, it's a privilege, right? Um, and so I think the way that I'm looking at it in this context right now is obviously learning how to be at home during a pandemic and also working. But when I think about working from home in its own little bucket, subtract it from what's going on right now. I think the thing that is difficult for me is that when I'm at home, I really like to just be at home. I don't wanna you know, open my laptop and, and answer emails necessarily. Obviously, if something happens, I'm happy to do it, but I like that separation you know, of going into work and hanging out with coworkers, focusing at a desk that's set up for me and being able to shut things down when if the work is done and then hopping on home and, you know, chilling, watching Netflix um, and not having to, you know, mix the two. So that's probably been the reason why I've chosen to take jobs that I'm in the office for. Excellent reasons to, to do that. And we'll come back to those reasons in a second, but let's go to you now, Jennifer, and let's talk about you know, the opposite side of the spectrum where you like working remotely. Why is it that you prefer to do that versus going into an office? Well, first off, I am an introvert and I've always been a homebody. I mean, as soon as my parents got us a computer when I was a kid, it was like, oh, well, there goes my social life and I'm never going outside again. So this is kind of like just who I am on one part. On one part. But then on the other hand, it's, um, I think it's just, having experienced working on site for as long as I, I have. I mean, I've, I've, I don't want to age myself completely, but I've, I've been working professionally for quite a while and I've worked in a lot of office situations. Um, I just find them in general, very stressful, very distracting. Um, I've also worked in a, a number of not great office environments. And I find that the mental and emotional toll that that can take is often just not worth the commute in the morning. So um, I transitioned fully to remote about a year and a half ago, and I hope to never go back. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice. So the, so you describe yourself as an, as an introvert. Tiffany, would you describe yourself as an extrovert or an introvert? I would describe myself as an extrovert. Um, I definitely get energy from from being around people. And, you know, Jennifer, you mentioned something that was interesting. When you're in the office, you find it distracting. And I actually find it 
comforting to have mm-hmm. other people around me. Um, and even noise, like ambient noise, like people having conversations, um, that doesn't really bother me too much. Mm-hmm. It actually motivates me in, in a weird subconscious way. Yeah, it's really interesting how that works because now that I work alone, I find myself listening to podcasts on in the background and like not really engaging with them. And it's kind of like that same coffee shop background noise. Mm-hmm. But I think because that that I think because when there's humans around in the office, you know, you can't control them as much. There's so much more variable about what's going to happen. And I mean, I've worked in some especially in open office situations, you know, where you, you can look up as soon as you look up from your desk, you can see an entire floor of engineers or something. And, and it's very hard to not be completely distracted all the time by whatever's going on around you. It's, um, it's strange how the brain works like that. It is very strange. And it's very interesting, like thinking about open offices, how they became such a trend. And now that's every office in tech and probably office in, in, in many other industries now have to be open and how that's created a backlash now that is slowly starting to trickle up and which we're probably going to go back to people being in offices again and having larger cubicles, which I'm sure after 15 years, there'll be a backlash to, and then we'll (laughs) swing back to having fully open offices. It's just important to constantly be going back and forth between Mm -hmm. trends. It's kind of like (laughs) high-waisted jeans versus low-rise jeans. It's like hairstyles. It's like like all these different things. We just kind of circle around them forever. Think of all the jobs we're creating though every time we have to renovate an office just that's great you know Uh, at my my last company and we were they were getting ready to move to a new office and it was an old bank office and more of a financial district building in san francisco versus like a tech district building in soma and just going in there it felt so incredibly dated to be in this wells fargo office as everything felt like they had individual offices, they had all this stuff. And it's going to be very funny uh, to walk into an office in 15 years that's open and feel like it looks like some old dated, I guess some old dated tech office. This is lame. <laughs> uh, so where's the carpeting? Like, that would be cool. <laughs> have all this exposed brick. Yeah. So that's something that you don't have to worry about, though, if you are working from home, where the style is just based on whatever you like for it to be. So Jennifer, you describe yourself as an introvert. Tiffany, you describe yourself as an extrovert, which seems to maybe have some influence on on your preferences for working from home versus working in an office. Coming back to you, Jennifer, even though you really prefer, you you obviously very much prefer working from home, is there anything that you miss about uh, working in an office? Um, I miss, I miss like, I definitely miss having a place to go kind of and, and a purpose. I mean, I don't miss, I I've had, I've worked many different jobs and some of them entail like a, a car commute in the morning. I, I absolutely do not miss that, but I, I was working for a number of years in downtown Ann Arbor here, and I was fortunate enough to be able to walk to work or take a short bus ride and then walk into work, and I do kind of miss that morning commute where I would walk around, and I, I kind of got a sense of what was going on in the community. I felt a lot more engaged in the local scene. Uh, I do miss that. Um, I don't necessarily, I guess it's not even really in the office. It's more like adjacent the office, but I do miss that um, chance to get out and be more involved or more aware of my community in general. I, I don't do that as much as I used to. And that is something I do miss. 
Yeah, and I would still consider that part of the office. That's part of the whole experience of going to and from work. And when you are, when you can walk to work and be in your neighborhood or be in your community, it's it's pleasant. Mm-hmm. It's legitimately nice to to go out and not be in a car and not be in traffic and not feel the stress uh, of that. So it's an understandable thing to miss. And something I miss um, myself working from home is that I walked to work in, in San Francisco and to until my girlfriend was also, my partner was also moved to working from home too. I got into the habit of several days a week walking her to work uh, because she's only like 15 minutes from our, from our place. So it was a nice experience. So it's good exercise. And it just got me outside, made me have, give me that same experience. So Tiffany, what's the thing you most miss uh, right now about, uh, about office time? Well, I also used to walk to work um, and I definitely miss the the morning sort of energizing feeling of just walking through the streets of New York. Um, I think I also miss the people just getting the FaceTime um, and being able to have a quick conversation with someone and pull them into a room and, and brainstorm. Um, you know, I miss the, the coffee and the snacks too, <laughs> um, but I have them here, so I, I can't complain. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the routine I would say is probably the, the thing I miss the most because I think it's just so different now. With it being different now, how do you, and you've obviously only had a short period of time to adapt to this and you're adapting to it in a moment in time in which there's a pandemic uh, going on where it's really not particularly safe to be outside wandering around. Mm-hmm. Uh, how have you... How have you tried to adapt your your life to to now having to be at home? So what I did that has been successful, and I, I think this is going to continue to evolve as, as time passes. I think it's been about a month. I think the first two weeks, I was I don't even really quite remember um, what I was doing other than, you know, opening my laptop in the morning. Um, but I would try to identify the things that I missed most about my, like, work from an office routine. So that was like working out in the evening. Um, it was getting FaceTime with coworkers and then just like being able to like write things down. It's really weird when I was at home and maybe actually it's not even writing things down. I needed an office setup, right? Like my home wasn't set up for it. So getting that checked off the list, which really just happened today, um, because obviously like deliveries are slowed down, but having a space dedicated, right? You don't necessarily need to like purchase a desk or a chair. Like you can stand in the kitchen, which is what I was doing before um, on a clean countertop and and just standing on and working on my laptop. And that was really nice. Um, I mentioned working out and, you know, when I was working in an office, I would always work out in the evening because that's when class pass credits are the most affordable. So I was basing my schedule around that. And then what I realized in the morning was that because I my, my routine had totally changed, I was often just waking up and opening my laptop. And that was making me feel like my entire routine was just work. And so what I started doing was doing morning workouts, um, shorter ones, but I didn't feel like I had to like wake up and immediately go into like a high intensity like training situation. Um, but that, that was really helpful. And I, I stuck to that and that's been really nice. Um, and then the third thing that I mentioned was FaceTime. Um, 
we're really lucky to live in an age where technology exists and while this is going on. And so I've been setting up a lot of Zoom calls with coworkers and friends. And I will say a tip there is also don't overextend yourself. I, I did a thing where I booked myself in the evening all through the week and I ended up being more exhausted than energized by that. So it's, it's all about finding that balance, right? And, and picking and choosing the things from your old routine and, and making them work for you. That sounds very reasonable. So I, I've also overextended myself a few times on organizing organizing Zoom calls with people, some of whom I used to see every week at least, and some of whom I didn't see every week, but now we're talking every week, which is interesting in that it's kind of in some ways made us closer friends and in other ways kind of been like, I'm spending more time talking to these people than I used to. Why Why am I doing that? Uh, also, with your, with your setup, uh, you had shared a picture today of your, because you've got a desk and a chair. You're really ready to work from home. But, so there, but the chair was... Um, was yeah, hot. so <laughs> I was so excited, right? Like I had gotten my chair about a week ago and my, my table would just arrived today. And I set up my table first, you know, unboxed the chair, pulled out the legs. And then I had all four legs sitting in front of me. And I was like, one leg is shorter than the other. I was like, you know what? I am just going to put this thing together anyway. And I'm going to figure out how to build a three inch platform. And so what I ended up doing is taking a few books and a notebook and just shoving them underneath. So now I have to, it works. Like I'm sitting on said chair right now, but if you hear a crash, it's because I've decided to shift my chair and I've forgotten that there are books in fact supporting my weight. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you, you learn, you adapt, right? You make things work and, you know, you try to make the best of what's going on and what you have. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> your chair has one leg shorter than, than the others, uh, <laughs> exactly. significantly so. And you have adapted very well and, and made <laughs> things work, but that's still a very... Uh, just a, a very funny thing to have happen when you finally it was hilarious um, and interesting how you end up shipping the one leg shorter in a in a chair right right I, who knows how that happens but of course we all make mistakes at work somebody somewhere just put the wrong leg in a box that's just how, <laughs> that just happens yeah uh, so so jennifer you talked about how the one thing you've missed uh, about about working from an office is not really the office itself, but the but the times where you got to be just more in your community uh, and more in your neighborhood. How do you how do you try to approximate that? How do you try to bring that into your life since you're not doing it daily? Well, before we were all locked down and everything was closed, <laughs> I would uh, take pretty regular walks around my neighborhood. I do still live, uh, you know, around things. There, it's a very I live in a very walkable area. Um, I can take about a 15, 20 minute walk to this great little uh, market coffee shop. So sometimes in the afternoon, if I just needed to step away and think, I would go do that. Um, a uh, couple parks I can go jogging in. So that's the kind of thing I've tried to do to get myself out of the house more. Obviously, I don't leave the house as much as I used to, uh, which is largely cool, you know, um, for me. But, you know, I do like to see what's still going around. So there are places where, you know, I, I try to get out into the community by forcing myself. Uh, local tech meetups is also a good um, 
you know, a good place to go. If anyone in the Southeast Michigan area is listening to this, I highly recommend the Southeast Michigan JavaScript meetup. Uh, you can find us on meetup.com under SEMJS. There's some great folks there and we have uh, bi-monthly meetings. Um, so those are the ways I've tried to deal with it. It's, uh, of course, something that you have to make yourself do because you're not required to be in another place at a certain point in time in the morning. But if you can keep to a routine, I think that's you know, the best thing you can do. And also to piggyback off what Tiffany was saying, one of the things I try to do to make up for missing that morning commute that, you know, usually gets your brain going is to do my household chores in the morning and kind of just be active and get moving, do some light yoga, just kind of get set up for focusing the rest of the day. And I think that the morning is a good time to do that because my brain's not really ready to start writing code yet. And then once I am ready to start writing code, my house is more or less clean and I can ignore that for a while while I write uh, code and do the work and all the things. There are some themes developing here and based on what I understand of science, having two people uh, as your examples and data is enough to draw very broad conclusions <laughs> that you can then use to, to um, take actions from. So, so cool. So that's, that's that's really good. Let's talk about how you those times when you're not as productive, because uh, sometimes there's just going to be days where you don't feel productive at all. What sort of let's talk about some of the tools, uh, some of the software you use, and and just some of the approaches you take to keep yourself going. Let either of you jump in. Whoever talks first. Sure, I'll do. I mean, we got to plug Clubhouse, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. Do, right. Let's let's cut um, now to a Clubhouse <laughs> ad that I'll have recorded. A reminder that this podcast is produced and sponsored by Clubhouse.io, the collaborative home for software development that makes it easier and more enjoyable to plan and build with your teams wherever you are. That's Clubhouse.io. Tell them Richard sent you, if you talk to anybody, which you probably won't. And we're back from the ad. Please continue, Tiffany. <laughs> so I, I think there are a few things that I use in Clubhouse that really keep me on track and, and it's just the dashboard is really helpful. Like I try to put all of my work in a story and then I assign a date to them so that it shows up in my activity feed. I can also check if people are tagging me and things. So it's a great place for me to kind of start my day or if I need to, if there's a lot going on, I can go there and say, okay, these are like the top 10 things. Like how can I prioritize those 10? Um, I think as a team, it's really helped us, especially as we've gone remote and um, you know, we, we were partially remote before, but, you know, using iterations um, just on the marketing team has helped us prioritize the dev work that needs to happen with Jennifer. Um, it's really helped us kind of see like, you know, there's obviously all these ideas that we have, um, all these things that we want done. We'll prioritize something and then something will change. And so we'll have to like move it around and having iterations, having a marketing backlog and iterations helps us to like pull all the great ideas to the side when we have to kind of pivot and refocus on other things. So um, I definitely think Clubhouse, obviously, like, you know, obvious plug, but it, it really has helped me feel a little bit more in control um, during this transition. Um, you know, Slack is great for, for communication when it comes to just like bouncing quick ideas off of each other. And then Zoom has been great 
Um, it's been really, I really like that I can see everyone on a screen just by changing the view, which couldn't really do with other tools. So I've really enjoyed using Zoom more since working from home and, and that's been helpful. And, you know, plain old paper and pen are also really nice. I try to write down the three must do things because obviously as we go through our day, we have like add on like 20 other things, but I always keep a pad of paper next to me and it has the three things that I want to accomplish that day and not even necessarily do with work. Now, Jennifer, tell us about the tools that uh, you use. So there's two things that I was going to recommend today, and they weren't necessarily um, specific online tools, but they're more like techniques. Um, I actually started using both of these. Well, one is a tool. Anyway, I'll get to that. But I started um, adopting these into my workflow, actually, when I worked in an open office, just as a way to stay focused. Um, the first one is pretty simple. You just get a uh, any kind of program that blocks stuff on the internet from you. Um, I use a program called Rescue Time. There's a free subscription, and then I believe there's payment for others, but you can basically blacklist certain websites so you can't access them. I have it set up to block a number of very distracting websites during certain hours of the day. That's one thing that I have had to do to myself. I mean, you kind of have to be hard on yourself sometimes, especially if you have, you know, adult ADD problems or any any kind of focus issues or you just work in a you know uh, uh, anyway I do that and then another one uh, that you don't need any kind of software for um, is the Pomodoro technique I'm not sure if you're both nodding your heads sounds like you've heard of this um, for people who don't know it's a really simple uh, task accomplishing focusing technique where you write a list of tasks you want to accomplish then you pick a task commit to that task and then you set a timer for 25 minutes or you could adjust the time frames if you like but 25 minutes is what's recommended and you focus for straight 25 minutes on nothing else and then at the end of the 25 minutes you set your task aside for a little bit you take like a five minute break kind of clear your head do some stretches and then if your task is still not done you set the timer again do another 25 minutes after you've done four of these increments you take a longer break say for a full take a 25 minute break take a 30 minute break go for a walk um, outside just stretch whatever um, I find that I don't use this every day but I do find on days when I'm having a hard time focusing on my work that this is one way to make myself you know stay on task Jennifer, I'm going to try the Pomodoro technique because I think one of the hardest things about the transition is just my body's still getting used to a new environment. And just, I think I mentioned before, you know, the best part about being in the office for me was just having people around. And now mm -hmm. obviously I'm by myself. And I think having a technique like that could help. Like I'm, I'm game to try anything at this point. And just like the logic behind the, the technique is, it sounds like something that's really digestible because you're not committing to working straight for like an hour or two hours or three hours at a time, you're breaking it up. So I'm excited to try that one. Yeah, that's a really good one. And then, you know, blocking websites and, you know, enforcing parental controls on yourself, I think <laughs> is really useful, especially now. Right, I mean, does. I've just yeah. straight up blocked news sites just so I can focus on work and, you know, I'll check that stuff later. Mm -hmm. When, you know, I have a glass of wine or something and I can mm -hmm. fully digest the chaos around us. But, you know, I really need to like put blinders on to get things done during the day. 
both very, very good tips uh, for software to use. I've done my own Pomodoro technique before, which is where I ate a whole pan of lasagna and then I felt too tired <laughs> to get out of my chair. So it was easy to just sit and do work for, for five hours. Pomodoro, Yay. of course, being Italian for tomato, no one has ever made a joke about that. I'm sure in the history of talking about the Pomodoro technique, so I've, uh, I'm out here. <laughs> Uh, just blazing new trails in podcast commentary. But I've actually done the real Pomodoro technique uh, before, and it is very, it is genuinely very good. The fact that you are working and you know there's a break coming makes it easier to work for the set period of time that you have. And it's, it's, it's a fairly nice, a fairly cool thing to do. So I also recommend it. And website blocking would be very helpful now in the, uh, right now with the news, because I do find myself uh just i can't stop myself from yeah it's an impulse control problem you know i i have the same problem it's just oh what's what's going on oh i need to check you know you you don't really need to check (laughs) (laughs) true all right good good software tips Clubhouse, of course, being one of the main ones. I'll remind everyone again that this is a Clubhouse-sponsored podcast uh, produced by Clubhouse, but not really meant to be a Clubhouse-specific podcast. If you want to try it out, I'm not going to stop you. So let's go, and I will, in fact, highly encourage it. So now let's move on to sort of the last segment of, of our interview here, which is we're going to talk about the opposite of, of what you both like to do, and we'll let Tiffany, we'll let you go last since, again, you're the, the senior employee in the group. And we'll start with, with you, Jennifer. Uh, what would it take for a company to entice you to work in an office to make you change your mind about wanting to work remotely? If you had two companies in front of you, one was like, well, you can work remotely. It's great. We're going to pay you a good salary that you want uh, versus another company. What would that company that wanted you to come to an office have to do? I mean, I think I would have to be in a drastically different role. I don't think it's about um, incentives that an employer could, you know, offer me. I don't think like a keg in the break room is really going to be, you know, a game changer. It's more about um, what kind of role would I have in that company? Like if it's software development and engineering like I'm currently doing, I personally wouldn't go in for that. I I don't kind of don't see a need to personally, the way I've made my career work. Um, I think if I say, and this is unlikely, but if I were to ever like co-found a company or something like that, where I had more responsibility, I think that would be a huge game changer and require me to give up my, my hermitage. Um, Or if I shifted into some kind of different industry and it wasn't engineering or software development, if it was something that was more hands-on, I don't know what that would be, but I think those are really the only reasons I would leave my current situation. Got it. Got it. So anyone listening out there, if you want to entice Jennifer to work from an office, you should (laughs) co-found the company with her. (laughs) (laughs) So Tiffany, what would what would a company need to do to put you in a position where you would be excited to work from home from mm-hmm. now on? Penthouse apartment in, in New York City <laughs> with natural light. Um, you, you know, as I'm you know transitioning into working from home, I'm slowly learning what works for working from home. And you know, I think one of the things that I'm realizing is a positive is that you really you realize how much freedom you have um, 
to make your own life. Because I think when you get into a routine of working in an office, you you walk to work or you commute to work and then you're sitting in an office. It, it feels much more like a structure. There's structure there. Um, and one of the things that I do like about it now is that there's a freedom to um, actually plan your day out in a different way from yesterday. So I don't know that there is really anything though that a company could do to ever <laughs> entice me to just work from home like forever. But I, I will say that, you know, the one silver lining of this experience, not one of the silver linings of this experience is just a, a shift in mindset around the way that I live my life. Super philosophical, I know. <laughs> and not even answering your question, because I kind of don't know how to answer it, because I, I think there might not be an answer. Like, you know, I just, I don't see myself ever um, wanting to do that, but I think there's a way to make it work. Great. So uh, you did give an answer, though, which was a penthouse in, yes. in Manhattan. So, so Mitch, many- if you're listening to this, Kurt, if you're listening to this, we go fully remote. That's all I need. I mean, if we go fully remote, much, right? we're saving money from not having the office. <laughs> and so that money could be then funneled into a penthouse uh, for, for you. Or if they could figure out how to generate sunlight in my apartment. That would work too. So it's penthouse or a natural like sun generating light source here. Got it. <laughs> Access to sunlight. You could always move to the Midwest. It's it's I very could. quiet and chill, but there's still square footage. Yeah, I you know I think that's the hardest part also though about you know, one of the hard parts about working from home is that working in an office in New York was a chance to also explore. Um, I've been trying to walk around outside and take advantage of the flexibility, um, but obviously it's not super safe right now, but I have, you know, been able to walk around the neighborhood that isn't my walk to work. And uh, that's been, been nice. But Richard, what about you? It would take a lot. I don't really, I've got kind of over the, over the years, I remember I used to live in a, a neighborhood of San Francisco called the Richmond district. And I mean, San Francisco is such a tiny crowded space. It's only seven miles wide, but the Richmond, which is literally probably four miles away from where I am right now. I could walk there in like an hour and 15 minutes. And I have actually walked out to the Richmond for like someone's birthday party. It feels like it's on the other side of the world because there, you know, there's no freeway. Everything's a grid. You have to go up hills. You have to drive. It takes, it doesn't take, it would take probably, with normal traffic, it'd probably take 40 minutes to drive over there to this place that's four miles away. So I got so used to taking a 30 minute bus ride down Geary on the 38. If anyone's familiar with any of these streets or bus lines I'm talking about. Uh, And then then I like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to take this bus ride. Uh, Like the bus, the 38 Geary comes every five minutes, but it has a tendency to just come three every 15 instead of one every five it's more like a convoy which was pretty fun so i stopped doing that and then i moved more centrally located in in, and just around downtown san francisco uh, and and started walking to work and i and i've done that for 10 years and then i walked to work and i got used to that and that was very fun i was like i could never not work somewhere where i didn't walk to work 
And then I started to get tired of walking to work. And it's like, now I could never work somewhere that I had to do any movement. So what could someone possibly do to, to entice me to like move my body around again? I think one thing is like Jennifer said, uh, like co-founding a company, if I ever got to that, or if I was, I mean, something I do on the side is make, make movies uh, under a, under a, a pen name. Uh, that pen name is Steven Spielberg, but I, I, and I do that. So if I got an opportunity to get more into that, obviously I would have to leave my living room to go and, and, and get paid to make movies, the sort of thing that they do on the side uh, to make short films and stuff. So, so that sort of thing would entice me out before a, for a job in tech, it feels like I get a lot more done when I'm at home. So it'd be hard to get me to go. Maybe if the job was just a five minute walk away, uh, from my apartment, it would be it would be different, but it would it, it would be hard for me to choose to to stop working from home. I think that's how much I like it, which is why we have this podcast here, folks, distributing joy about working from home. It can be a very very under different circumstances than what we have right now in the world. It can be a a way to be even more productive and happier in life. Uh, not for Tiffany, but in general, it can be a way to do that. Uh, if you if you get the opportunity to do so. So at any rate, thank you both for being here on the first episode. We're going to have many more episodes to come, so you've really helped establish some of what this will be. Uh, it means a lot that you've taken the time to do it. So thank you very much. Well, you're welcome, Richard. Uh, as I've said before in, in many meetings this week, it's not like I have anywhere to be. <laughs> so it's totally cool thank you for having me i really hope this um sets the podcast up for a good start last one from me thanks richard thanks to everyone who's listening thanks for tuning in a reminder that this podcast is produced and sponsored by clubhouse the collaborative home for software development that makes it easier and more enjoyable to plan and build with your teams wherever you are that's clubhouse.io Tell them Richard sent you, if you talk to anybody, which you probably won't. Be sure to tune in next time for our second episode on working from home with kids and why that's so frustrating and hard. Bye. Bye.